Good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Good. First thing, I'd like us all to give the worship team a round of applause. They did a phenomenal job this morning. And Brittany. And Brittany. Brittany gets more applause. Give her more. So, my name is Jacob Dolezal. I am one of your deacons, and I run the kids' ministry in the back. And when Nathan asked me to speak today, I said, well, only if all my friends from back there could come in here, too. Because, you know, James Sosa over here, he and I bond in the nursery. You know, he really wrote most of my sermon today, so we need to be thanking him. So thank you, James. And so since it's like a kid's point thing, we're going to do a kid's point icebreaker activity. Sort of. So we're going to go around the room, and everyone's going to say their name, their grade, and their favorite flavor of ice cream. And if we do it correctly, guys, we'll go right into potluck. <laughs> so little, bo- little, little guy right here, what's your, what's your name? His name is Mark. What's your grade? Three. Question mark. Mark, what's your favorite ice cream? Chocolate. Oh, Mark's basic. He likes chocolate. All right, so we're going to move on past that. Thank you, Mark. (laughs) Now you know what to get him next time he gets his tonsils out or something, get him some chocolate ice cream. Or maybe a hip replacement. That's probably closer (laughs) than tonsils. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Mark. Sorry, Mark. (laughs) All right. So, we've got a fun day planned for you. We have family service right now, then we have a potluck after, and I love family service, because we get all the, all the kids come in here, we all get to worship together, learn together, and then selfishly, most of the time that there's a family service, that means I don't have to teach, but that didn't really work out this time. <laughs> Without further ado, let's go ahead and get into what our topic is going to be today. Something fun, right? We're going to talk about overcoming fear. Yeah, that's a downer. Now, this is something that all of us can relate to, kids and adults. The fears are different. Now, how many of you are scared of something? Now, those of you that didn't raise your hands, are you just scared to admit that you're scared of something? (laughs) It's okay. When we're small, we fear things like roller coasters, boogeyman, dark places, clowns. Uh, Mark, how did you know that that was where I was going with that? (laughs) As adults, when we, we don't want to say that we are afraid or fearful of something. So we use a more sophisticated word like anxiety. It causes us to become anxious. So we get anxious about big meetings. We get anxious about relationships going on. We get anxious about clowns. The clowns just cover everything. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. I know all of you have heard this before. Because it's talked about on every, like, daytime preacher thing. There are 365 verses in the Bible that say the phrase, do not be afraid. Now that's one for every single day of the year, except for a leap year. On the leap year, 
you're going to have to pick a day that you won't be reminded to not be afraid. So you can choose when to do that. Probably a Sunday would be a good time, but that's a personal decision. So I'll let you decide. Fear can be a paralyzing thing. It can stop you from accomplishing things, continuing on a path, even stopping what God is having you do in your life. And as we're talking about overcoming fear, I thought, what better story, well, really, the central character than King David? David displays many a time, and even in his psalms and his writings, of an overcoming of fear. And it's fitting because this week in Kids Point, we would have been talking about David and Goliath. So that's where we're going to start. Now, boys and girls, as we do in the back class, I'm going to be asking questions after I read the story. So I expect you to all be paying attention for the questions. Adults, this is also for you. Make sure you're all paying attention. All right? So the verses are not going to be up on the screen. So you're going to have to listen to me and read your Bible. We're going to be going to 1 Samuel 17. Now, back in the day when Nathan used to first like train us in teaching, he'd be like, just tell them if you need to buy time to open their Bibles to this. But now with Bible apps, it's like I have to, that doesn't add any time for me to calm down before we get into it. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. They were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and they camped between Soko and Ahazka in the Ephrates Daman. Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the valley of Allah and drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other, with the valley in between. Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had bronze greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out and draw in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of the Ephraite of Bethlehem in Judah, whose name was Jesse. He had eight sons, and Jesse was old in the days of Saul, advanced in years among men. The three older sons of Jesse had gone after Saul to battle, 
And the names of these three sons who went to battle were Elab, the firstborn, the second to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. And now the three oldest followed Saul, but David went after, went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flocks of, at Bethlehem. The Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took his stand. Then Jesse said to David his son, Take now for your brothers an epaph of this roasted grain and these ten loaves and run to camp to your brothers. Bring these ten cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousand and look into the welfare of your brothers and bring back news of them. For Saul and they and all the men of Israel are camped in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So this is sort of our prelude. We got Goliath and we got David. And there's a battle. Let's commence. So David arose in the morning and left the flock with a keeper and took the supplies and went as Jesse commanded him. He came to the circle of the camp and while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry, Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. Then David left his baggage with in the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers. As they were talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath, named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines. He spoke the same words, and David heard them. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this guy who's coming up? Surely he is coming to defy Israel. That will be the king that will enrich the man who kills the great, with great riches. He'll give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? The people answered him in accord with this word, saying, Thus it will be done for the man who kills him. Now, Elib, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Elib's anger burned against David. And he said, Why did you even come up here? And uh, whom have you left the sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, What have I done? Was it not just a question? And he turned away from him to another and said the same thing. And the people answered the same as before. When the words that David had spoken uh, were heard, they were told to Saul, who was king. He sent for him, and David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, Ah, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him. For you are but a youth, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and took a lamb from the flock, he went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both a lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me 
from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with garments and put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with armor. David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I can't go in these, for I haven't even tested them. And David took them off. He took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had even in his pouch. And in his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Then the Philistine came on and approached David and the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked at saw David, he, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. Obviously, Goliath was jealous of David's handsome appearance. <laughs> the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, and I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you, and it will, I will give great dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. Then it happened, when the Philistine rose and came through near to David, that David ran down toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag and took a stone from it and slung it. He struck the Philistine on his forehead. Sling, bang, boom. <laughs> the stone sank deep into his forehead and as though he fell onto the, his face onto the ground. Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out from its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. Well, the Philistines saw this, that their champion was dead. They fled. The men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the valley to the gates of Ekron. And the slain Philistines lay along the way to Sherem even to Gath and Ekron. The sons of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and plundered their camps. Then David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem. But first he put his weapons in his tent. All of us know this story. It's one we've been raised. But what I really think, just stop, just kidding. We're doing a pop quiz now, boys and girls. I have five questions from the story, so I hope you've been listening. Number one. Where was the Philistine Goliath from? What? Gath. Yes, that is right. Just shout it out, guys. And adults, if you don't hear the answer, you can shout it out too, except for Nathan. Um, 
who was the king of Israel at the time? Saul, yes. I was, we've been talking about that for weeks, so I'm glad you got that. Why was David even at the battlefield to begin with? That's right, he had to bring stuff for his brothers. How many stones did David pick up from the river? <laughs> well done. Last question, but not least. What did David do after he slayed Goliath? Do it, Michelle. Yeah! Sorry. Come on, guys. We had to go there. It's a family service. We're all about <laughs> chopping off heads and stuff. So in reflection of this story, when it comes to fear, let's kind of analyze what we got. So we have this one factor of fear that is Goliath. And then you have two people that, two different reactions that are facing it. You have the, the Israelite army and Saul, and then you have David. Now, they're both facing the same thing. And the Israelite army and Saul should have some advantages over David. First off, they're soldiers. They've been trained. Uh, sure, David has fought a bear and a lion, but... These are trained warriors. Some of them probably as long as soldiers as long as Goliath was. But what's the difference? David recognized that God himself had his back. We look at David's response to Goliath on the battlefield. You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted this day, Lord will deliver you into my hands. David faced this giant of a man with the knowledge that God would deliver his enemy into his hands. The men of the Israelite army could only see the man in front of them. They missed the fact of whose behalf they were fighting on to begin with. Even Saul, who was the king at the time, and was, was shown to be in great dismay at Goliath and his challenge. Let us not forget that Saul was a king chosen by God when Israel demanded to have a king. So it's not as though he didn't know who God was. David isn't this perfect man, perfect king. We see him act later in his sin with Uriah. But I think he does a wonderful job uh, displaying to us how we can overcome fear. Not only with this story of David and Goliath, but also through his writings. Earlier I talked about that there were 365 verses that have do not be afraid. Well, there's a lot of psalms that David wrote that have this same idea. So I'm going to read. We're going to read and talk about a couple of them. First one, a lot of you know this one. Or if you don't realize you know it, once I start reading it, you'll be like, I've heard that a million times. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The psalm is a constant when we're talking about how God takes care of us. He gave, he guides us to safe places with paths of righteousness and green pastures. He restores our soul when we're weak, when we're struggling. But then we get to verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. But the ver- does the verse stop there? No. David isn't saying, I, I don't have any fear. You saw I faced Goliath. No, it continues. I fear no evil, for you are with me. The one and only condition that David is speaking of having no fear is even though he is in the valley of death, God is with him. He finishes this psalm by talking about dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. And this entire psalm is speaking of finding peace. It's predicated on knowing that God is with us in the faith that he has got you, that he's got you. I worded it really awfully here. This kind of this is kind of similar to what we see from David in the David versus Goliath. He his whole time he's talking about God's army, that he's taunted God. But how about we continue with the next psalm, Psalm 27. You probably don't probably aren't as familiar with this one. The Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came up against me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer a tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry my voice, and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, for for you have been my help. Do not abandon me, nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord. And lead me in a path, in a level path, because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen up against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. I really, really like this psalm. Love it, actually. In the first half, verses 1 through 6, we have this beautiful declaration by David of his confidence and desire for God. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And that follows with, whom shall I fear? 
then? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Why should we fear when we are confident in God, when we trust him? And then he tells us similarly how he wants to dwell in the house of the Lord all his days. Guys, I think that David trusted God. Do you think so? I, I said, do you think so? Yes, okay, yeah, me too, me too. Now, in the back half of the verse, verses 7 through 14, this is more of a prayer. He asks God not to hide his haste from David and acknowledges that God is his salvation. But my favorite part of this whole psalm is the last two verses. And I'll read them again. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. With this topic of anxiety, fear, I don't think David could be any more relatable than he is in these two verses. We look out at the world and we see, like, is there any good people left? But David's saying, if he, belie- if he, dis- he would have despaired if he did not know God. I think that's a beautiful truth. Now let's take a moment and cross-analyze these three pieces of scriptures that we've read this morning. Yes, David is involved in all three of them, but it's even a greater display of the idea of faith in God overcoming fear. In the story of David and Goliath, we see David come have a total and complete trust in God that he would deliver Goliath into the hands of David. In Psalm 23, David talks about not fearing even though he walks through the valley of death because God is with him. And then in Psalm 27, David proposes the question, why fear anything or anyone when I know that I am God's? Faith and fear come at odds with one another for us a lot of the time. We believe in God, and then something happens in our lives that we take our focus off of him and focus on the fear, the giant that's in front of us, instead of the one that we need to have faith in to begin with. Now, what I'm not saying here is if you have faith in God, that means you won't be afraid. As I mentioned fear at the beginning, fear is the feeling of fear, anxiety is a part of life. But if we have faith in God, the fear, we should, the fear should not cripple us because we know who we have in our corner. Do I, guys, do I need to remind you just who he is? You know, he's the almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful God who just happens to love us. Psalm 56, 3 through 4 says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? I want us all to say that right now. What can mere man do to me? When we are fearful, remember where your faith lies. Mark, will you go get the kids from the back? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They're already in here. He started to close his Bible. I almost got him. Now, boys and girls, I want to talk to you for a second. You guys are all pretty smart. For the most part, I know that you know all about what I'm talking about. It's the putting it into action piece that makes it, that it gets hard to remember. But I want you to know that God 
is with you. And just believe and know. When your mom asks you to get something out of the basement because it's dark and scary and makes noises, remember that God is with you. Or better yet, you can always, always pray. I found that for me when I face things that once meant to make me stop moving forward, literally or figuratively, that if I pray while I'm doing that, it, it helps me to continue to progress. It forces my head to recognize and remember that God is with me. You can be like David when he faced Goliath and be confident that God is with you. Then you can metaphorically, not literally, cut off your fear's head. Now, for those of you that aren't teachers back in Kids Point, you may not have had the opportunity to see it, but some of the girls that we have here live for violence. <laughs> we'll talk about, like, the head's getting cut off, and all the girls will be like, yes, more. Well, not, not you, Becca, but mainly Peyton, but she's not even here today, so I... And me and the boys are just kind of shell-shocked by the bloodlust that is happening in the classroom. <laughs> We're trying to divert it. You normally think the boys would be like, oh, yeah. They're like, no, okay. Mom, get me out of here now. Adults, I'm talking to you now. Overcoming fear and anxiety is harder for us. Because most of the time, it's caused by bigger things than rollers, coasters, and clowns. Except for Mark's case. Whether it be sickness, troubled relationships, your children's lives, remember who you, whom you serve. Remember that God is with you. This world is directly pointing us to be scared of things. You can see this through any news broadcast. And I'm not talking, this isn't a political statement, because both sides use the same tacit, tactics. It's simply a fact. If we are not careful... It would be easy for us to succumb to all the fear that's wrapping this world. But, but we can go to the one person who doesn't change. We find rest in the one that created this world. You know, it's an extremely humbling thing as a teacher of God's word, the opportunity to come up here. Because you come to places like this where the most encouraging thing that I can say to you on this topic it's just reread a verse that I already read. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Take courage. Be strong. And wait for the Lord. Let me pray for you. God, I, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this community. I thank you for being the place that we can run to when we are scared. The safe place where, we're, where everything else seems to be falling apart, that you are there. I'd ask that you just continue to remind us that you are there with us and that we grow deeper in relationship with you. I ask that you'd bless this day, bless our potluck, bless our communi community. I just am so grateful for you. In your son's name I pray. Amen.